I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about the light of the world. As you can see, uh, it's that time of year where we celebrate the birth and the coming of Jesus onto this earth. We celebrate with lights. We celebrate with greenery. We celebrate all these things that seem like they are the antithesis of a dark December night. Uh, Right around that time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, which historically was probably not the time he was actually born, but it's the time we celebrate it. You think about it, the day has become the shortest it ever is. We, We reach the winter solstice when the days are at their darkest and then it turns and the days begin to get longer again. Something has changed. What a picture of what happened when Jesus came on the earth in this dark time in human history, in this dark time for the nation of Israel who hadn't had a major prophetic voice for 400 years, who'd been ruled over by foreign pagan nations. At this time, those that sat in darkness saw a great light. We celebrate with lights. We celebrate with evergreen because we remember that that all these other trees, they lose their leaves. They seem to be in a state of death. We have all these, this evergreen stuff around us reminding us that there is a victory over death, that, that even in the dark, even in the winter, even in the cold, his life goes on. His, he, his branches don't cease to bear fruit. And what a wonderful thing to remember, Christ's victory over death, Christ coming to earth and dwelling amongst us. This is the time we celebrate the advent, the incarnation, the coming of the King, This is a day we celebrate. This is a time we celebrate D-Day when God himself put his boots on the ground and everything began to change. All of history goes back to that moment. All of history hangs on this moment along with the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. All these, these three great moments in history, all of history hang on them. All of history either speaks towards them or goes back and reminds us of these things. And as believers, we're here to remember, but not just to remember, but to look forward with hope at what he's doing. He has come, he died, he rose again, and he will come again. And so I wanna read to you from the book of Luke, chapter two, when uh, Jesus, as a small baby, uh, only only just a, a, just been on the earth for a few days, uh, hasn't been there for long, he has come to the temple to be dedicated. And uh, and we find this in Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. And if you'll remember, they didn't just come up with this name, Yeshua, uh, because it was in the family or because it was a great name in their history. This name was given because the angel himself, an angel of God, spoke to them and said, you will call his name Yeshua. We call him Jesus. It's That's just our uh, modern pronunciation, our anglicization of a Greek way of saying a Hebrew word, which was Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. Because his name was more than just um, a, a good name that we could call him. His name was his purpose. His name was his mission. His name was his identity. The Lord's salvation, the Lord's salvation, Jesus came to save. And so his name was Yeshua. And they called him that when it came time to name him. And then it says this, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord or set apart. And so they came to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
Now, I don't know if you've studied the original law, but um, rich folks could bring uh, cattle or, you know, major livestock. But for Mary and Joseph, who probably didn't come from uh, a great deal of means, uh, also been uprooted from their town. They, they gave birth in the middle of a census where they had to leave their hometown and go to Bethlehem where Joseph's family was from. That's his ancestral lands. And so they had to go back to this place so that they could be counted in the Roman census. And so they, they weren't even home. And so they didn't bring the nicest sacrifice. They didn't bring uh, the top thing that they could have brought. But they, the law provided that if you can't bring this and you can't bring this, then you can bring a pair of turtle doves. You can bring two young pigeons. That was kind of the low bar of what you could bring, but it was what they had, and it was pleasing to God because it was offered in faith. So they brought this um, sacrifice to God, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and Simeon is one of my favorite characters in the Gospels. He's not there for long. He doesn't make a big splash, but what he says in this, this one section of Scripture reverberates throughout the rest of the New Testament. This man had waited all his life for this moment. He was an old man. He'd he'd come to the point where he was ready to die. He's ready to go on. But God had told him, you won't see death until you see this. Here's what happens. Simeon was in the temple. And the Bible tells us here that he was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation or the salvation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and he blessed God. And he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, which for my eyes, uh, sorry, (laughs) I'm skipping ahead. You are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now, when he says all peoples, he doesn't just mean a, a big crowd of people. All peoples, he's, the word peoples is, is, is like groups of people or ethnic groups, nations, uh, not just the Jews, but all people, all of humanity. He says, you've done it in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What a cool moment. I mean, I know that Mary and Joseph had experienced one thing after another, uh, reaffirming who this child was. This was not an ordinary child. Number one, uh, God had spoke to them. The angels of uh, the angel of the Lord had appeared to both of them and said, this is what this is going to happen. And this is who this child is going to be. That was already something. And then uh, the shepherds who saw this amazing light show, but they saw the angels of the Lord. They saw the glory of God. And these angels announced the birth of Jesus, told them where to find him. And the, and the shepherds show up and tell Mary and Joseph, this is what we saw and this is what the angels said. Magnificent moment. I mean, the Magi hadn't yet come. The, the wise men hadn't arrived yet, but already they're having confirmation after confirmation of what's happened. And then they bring Jesus to the temple and this man spots them in the crowd. I mean, they weren't carrying a sign or wearing t-shirts that said, we're bringing the Messiah to the temple. They just came 
and, and probably blended in. There was nothing about them that would have stood out. But Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on him, and he saw this baby. And while everybody else saw a baby, Simeon saw salvation. He saw what he'd waited his whole life for. There's a lot in that that we've talked about before, how amazing it is that, that uh, what he would wait his whole life for is now at the very end of his life, he's getting to see it. But he says, I have seen salvation. My eyes have seen salvation. Then he goes on, he says, which is prepared in the presence of all these people, all people, all nations, all groups, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I want to focus on this for a minute. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. A light of revelation. You see, last week we talked about uh, how the scripture said, we were reading about the gospel and how it changes our life and how it changes the way we walk and, and live. And remember what it said, when the kindness and the great, God's great love for mankind appeared, when the kindness of God appeared and his great love for mankind was revealed, he saved us. There was a moment when this was revealed. There was a moment when this was shown. There was a moment when, when uh, love appeared, when grace appeared, when truth appeared, and it was when Jesus came. I want you to think about that word revelation. See, the word revelation is all throughout the Bible. It's a big word, and it, honestly, it's a word that we don't give a lot of thought to in our modern age. We, we, we talk about it, but maybe we don't fully know what it means. To them, it meant different things, but in the scripture, there's something to be said about revelation because revelation by its own term means something that is revealed. It's something that someone uncovers. The Greek word that's used, apocalypsis, for revelation, that's the book of Revelation is named that. It literally means to uncover something, to reveal something. In other words, you can't get to revelation on your own. Revelation is not something you can figure out or you can study out enough that it could come to you. Now, God can bring revelation as you study and studying can lead you to that place. I mean, certainly we see examples of that throughout the Bible where people are seeking God. They're using their mind to seek God. They're using their heart to seek God. They're using their body to seek God and God reveals himself. But let me tell you, this is not a bridge you can build by yourself. This is a bridge God builds and you seek out, you see, he, he reveals this to you. In John chapter one, we, we hear that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It talks about there, there was this light that came to the earth. In fact, let me read that to you real quick. In John chapter one, he says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life and the life was the light of men or, or we could translate it this way because we're not just talking about males here. That life was the light of humanity. He says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it, did not grasp it. Some translations say did not overcome it. And I want you to think about this. Light entered the world through Jesus. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And what I love about that is when he said that life was the light of men, once again, he's not talking about men as in males. It's not a, a gender thing. It's not a sex thing. He says the light of men, and he's talking about humanity. He, the light, this life was the light for all humanity. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
Then later he told his disciples, you're the light of the world because of the light that's in you. You're the light of the world, the city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says that light is meant to give light to all who are in the house. There's this this constant reminder that he brought light with him, that he was light. He said, anyone who receives me, anyone who follows me will have the light of life. He said, I'm the light of the world. And anyone that follows me will have the light of life. Think about it. This life that Jesus carried in him, this life that he had authority to give to you, because it goes on and says, all who received him, to him he gave the right, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God, who are not born after the flesh, but born of the Spirit. There's this powerful knowledge that, that when you receive Jesus, you come back to life, and that life that he gives you, it carries light, it turns the light on. All of a sudden you look around and you see God's work. You see his hand. You see what he's doing. You see his creation. You see you're filled with his love. You're filled with his purpose. Something changes. Everything changes. And what I love about this story is that although God had been promising his people, Israel, this redeemer, this savior that would come and redeem them, Simeon talks about that. It says the glory of your people, Israel. It wasn't just restricted to the people of Israel. As God said in Isaiah, it's too small a thing for me to send my servant just to be a light to my people. I will send him to a light to the Gentiles. We'll read that in a minute. But I want you to to, to see that this was God's plan from the beginning. For thousands of years, he'd been telling his people, I'm going to send light to the world. I'm going to change everything. Darkness came in when sin came in. But when Jesus came, he brought light with him. If that's the case, may I ask something? Why didn't everything change? Because in a sense, everything did change. Then in another sense, we say, well, people are still evil. There's still darkness. There's still brokenness. In fact, sometimes it seems like there's more and more as the days go on. If Jesus brought light, why didn't everyone see it? John 1 says that he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. Because the light that was in Jesus was not a light that, that, that just was obvious to everyone, that just that you saw with your physical eyes. It was, a, it was a light that opened the eyes of your heart. And that kind of light came through his life, and that life has to be received. We, we understand that Jesus didn't come to force himself on the world. He came to invite us. He came to draw us. He came to show us, but you've got to receive it. Here's the cool thing. When Simeon says he is a light to the Gentiles or a light of revelation to the Gentiles, a light that will open the eyes of nations all over the world, a light that will change everything. He's actually quoting from the Old Testament scriptures from hundreds of years before. He's recognizing this is the moment we've been waiting for. And I want to read you some of those scriptures and I want you to see what Jesus came to do. In Isaiah chapter 9, you may remember this verse. It's often quoted at, script, uh, at Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, the, the, the prophet Isaiah is speaking from God about something that's going to change Israel. It's going to change not just Israel, but the nations. He says in verse 1, there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, with contempt, but later on he shall make it glorious. By the way of the sea, on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. 
Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as in the battle of Midian for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So the zeal of the Lord of angel armies will accomplish this. Think about this. He's saying there will come a day that I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you a son. And this is going to change everything. He starts the chapter. Uh, if you've read chapter 8, it ends in this idea of anguish and darkness. And then chapter 9 says, but, but this is going to change. If you read the Gospels, they actually quote from this verse. When Jesus went to what we could call the ghetto, he went to a very rough place in Galilee. He went to a place that was overlooked by everyone else. Nobody thought anything good could come from this part of Israel. And when Jesus came, there was so much oppression. There was so, much, uh, so many people downtrodden, oppressed by the, the evil one. When Jesus came, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. I love it. We see that prophecy repeated throughout the New Testament. The people who are sitting in great darkness. John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, quoted it as well in his prophecy. Those that are sitting in darkness will see a great light. The light will dawn on them. This is the light of humanity. This is the light. This is the life of God that carries light. I wonder if we grasp what's in front of us. If we grasp what Simeon grasped at that moment, that this light, when it enters the world, it changes everything. When it's received, it changes everything. But you can go through life being all around the light, being exposed to the light, and yet still not seeing the light. When Jesus told the parable of the sower, and, and, and the crowds went away not understanding what he said, but his disciples followed him and said, what does this parable mean? Jesus quoted these prophets in Isaiah. He quoted some of these scriptures and he said, while seeing they will not see, while hearing they will not hear, their hearts will not understand. While seeing they do not see. Then he goes on and he says to his disciples, blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your eyes for seeing what they see. You're seeing something other people aren't seeing. There's something about this light that is not obvious to everyone. There's something about this light that, that speaks to your spirit, that speaks to your heart. See, my prayer for you is that your eyes of your heart would be enlightened. This glory that Jesus brought was meant for us. We who, some of us, some of you who are listening today, can find your ancestry in, in the natural lineage of Abraham. You're, you can find your ancestry amongst the Jewish people, amongst the people of Israel. Some of us cannot. We're, we're straight up Gentiles. But for all of us, the light has come. 
And I want you to see some more things about what the light does. We see here that it drives away the gloom and the anguish that darkness has brought, this death that, that looms over the people. It, it broke when Jesus came, when he was revealed, when the glory of God was seen. As John 1 said, we beheld his glory. We saw it. We got to witness it. We touched it. We handled it. In Isaiah later on, we come to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42 speaks this way of God's servant. And this is a wonderful thing. If you've read the book of Isaiah, you'll notice some of these chapters begin with God speaking of his servant. He's speaking of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 42, he says, Behold, my servant, look at my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, and whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice. He will not make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. In a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. Extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. There's a promise that he's going to bring this to the entire earth. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, I am the bruised wick, that I, I'm the dimly burning wick that feels like it's going to go out. I, I'm the bruised reed that feels like it's going to break. I want you to know that the Son of God, the Lord of all, God of all mercies, His Son, Jesus Christ, is not going to crush that, but is not going to put out that dimly burning wick. He's not going to break that reed. What He's going to do is give you new life. His light is going to change everything. Listen to what He says. He says, Thus says the God, the Lord. It says, God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I'm the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. This is what he's saying to his people, but really it's what he's saying to his servant. It's what he's saying to Jesus. He says, I have called you in righteousness. I will hold you by the hand and I'll watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeons and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I'm the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. I love this, and, and it goes on. You should probably read the rest of it, but we're gonna stop there for a second. Look at this. Look at this promise as he says, this is what I'm gonna do. And he's gonna send his light. He's gonna send his servant. He's gonna send Jesus Christ to be a light to the Gentiles. One of his promises here is he says, you're gonna be a light to the nations. Remember, that's not just to Israel. This is what uh, later Simeon is drawing from in his prophecy over this baby. That Jesus is not just meant for these people, he's meant for all people. He's gonna bring a light to the nations. And here's what happens when light comes. Listen to this. Because I want you to see yourself in here. Yes, Isaiah 42 is speaking of his servant Jesus, but you have come into this ministry. You have come in to this plan. You're part of this now. You're now the servant of God. You say, well, am I a servant or am I his kid? Ask yourself, which one was Jesus? Was Jesus God's servant or was he his son? And the answer is, he's both. His identity is the son. His purpose is as a servant. 
Not a servant like a slave. Not a servant as in someone of a lower class, but a servant as in you'd say, as in what Jesus said at the beginning of his, of, of, his, of his youth, of his teen years, when he said, don't you know I'd be about my father's business? Don't you know I'd be doing my father's business? I'm his servant because I'm his son. I'm not trying to serve him so someday he adopts me. He has already adopted me. He's already adopted you if you've become a believer. And now this is your mission. Listen to this. I want you to hear this is Jesus's mission. And because it's his mission, I want you to see it in your mission. Because this is what light does. It will open blind eyes. It'll bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Have you noticed the pattern so far in these verses we've read? Have you noticed that God did not send his son to the people who had it together? That God did not send his son to the people who had it all right and were walking righteously and were walking perfectly. He did not send his son at the best moment in history. He sent his son at the dark moment in history to a place in history that was dark, to a people that were living in darkness. Do you imagine that that's probably why God has put you where you are? Because you're meant to bring light. Think about it. In him was life. That life was the light of men. Earlier on, it says, they will be glad in your presence. He says, just by being in this land of Galilee. Remember when he talked about those that sat in darkness, a great light will shine. He said, just by being there, you will make it glorious. God took the most rundown place and made it glorious. He took the dark place and made it glorious. Now the, the word glorious speaks of light. It speaks of glory. It speaks of magnificence. It speaks of something that you're, you're not ashamed of. There, there's brilliance in it. Can you imagine that where God has placed you might be a very dark place, but just the presence of God that travels with you, the light of God that's within you, the life of God that brings light you know, the Bible says that the God of this world, little g, not, not, not our God, but Satan himself, has blinded the eyes of those who believe not. So they would not see the light of the gospel of the glory of God. But it tells us here that the same God that spoke light into a dark universe has shone his light in our hearts to show the glory of God reflected in the face of Christ. Here's the good news is that we carry light with us. John 1 later says there was a man named John. He was not the light, but he came as a witness to the light. If you imagine that as you travel, you come as a witness of the light. But the greatest thing about you being a witness of the light is that you're not just talking about something far away. You're not just talking about something in a distant land. You are talking about something that travels with you, that goes with you. And you've been given the glory of God. You've been given the ability as you speak, as you love, as you live to bring light that will bring people out of blindness, that will bring people out of the dungeon, that will bring people out of the the permanent darkness that they've been living in. I want to read you one more section of scripture. In Isaiah 49, once again, this is another one of the servant songs where God is speaking of his servant, what what Jesus will do. And he says this, in Isaiah 49, verse one, listen to me, O islands, pay attention, you peoples from afar, you nations, you ethnic groups from afar. That's us. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me. 
He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he's concealed me. He has made me a select arrow. He has hid me in his quiver. He has said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will show my glory. Later on, he says this, and I just want you to see this um, beauty, and we quoted this earlier, but he says in verse six, he says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. He's talking about the tribes of Israel. He says, that's too small for me to just redeem one nation, just to, to take one people group. That's too small for me. He says this, I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I love this. God says, for me just to save one nation is too small. I'm going to make you a light to all the nations. And what I love about this is that the gospel shows us something. Jesus enlightened us for us. There is revelation, so much that you can get from all of this. And in fact, we don't have time to dive into it all. But I am praying, like Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians, that you, your eyes of your heart would be flooded with light, would be enlightened so that you would know these things. God wants to open your eyes so you'd come out of the dungeon. He wants to open your eyes so you'd come out of blindness. Because when you see light, you share light, you carry that light with you. You know this part where he says it's too small a thing for me to just raise you up, my servant, and just, and just restore one nation? I'm sending you as a light to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to, as a light to all people so you'll bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. That was what Jesus came for. God had promised, this is my plan to bring salvation from the death you brought upon yourself, from the curse you brought on the planet, from the curse you brought on humanity. I am sending my son to change everything. I'm bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. And here's what's cool. In the book of Acts, Paul and his buddies, they quote this scripture and say, it's for us too. They turn to the Gentiles. They've been preaching to their Jewish brethren over and over again, and they don't stop. I mean, that continues. But they turn to the Gentiles and begin ministering to the Gentiles because they said, it says, and, and they said, God has commanded us. Listen to this. He, they didn't just say God commanded Jesus. They didn't just say God prophesied about Jesus. They said, God commanded us saying, I will make you a light to the Gentiles so that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Have you considered that the incarnation, what does the word incarnation mean? It means, it, it literally comes from the word for flesh. For me, he became flesh. Jesus became flesh. God himself, who knew no limits, had no boundaries, had no uh, 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 limits of humanity, didn't have to sleep, not bound by time, not bound by space, not any of these things came in the form of a human. He came and, and didn't just look like a human. He didn't just bear the image of a human. He bore our full life experience. He, he had to live like us. He ate like us. He slept like us. He, all of these things, he knew our sorrow and our pain. All of this he experienced with us. He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He walked with us. When he walked with us, everything changed. You remember the scripture that said, that we read earlier, that said he's going to come to a dark place. He's going to make it glorious. He'll walk into a dark place. The light will come to this place and he'll, he'll walk in this place and he'll make it glorious. That Galilee that Jesus set up his ministry in was a fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. 
But that's an image of what Jesus does. Remember that the light doesn't come through a teaching. Teaching can reveal the light. Teaching can bring revelation. But teaching alone without his presence, without his spirit, has no power. It's his presence. It's him that carries life. And that life is the light. Now, the Bible talks about that revelation coming through the word, the light coming on through his word. Peter says you do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in darkness until the morning star dawns in your own heart. There's something so powerful about seeing that Jesus is the word. And so because he's the word, the word is him. And you see him in the word. The Pharisees, they read the scripture, but they didn't have God. They didn't have the spirit. They just read it in dryness and intellectual study, and it had no power in their life. But Jesus said, you're looking in the scriptures for life, but you should have found me. I have the life, and I'm in the scriptures. So I want you to know that you need this. I'm reminded of those two disciples who were there when the women came back and said, uh, uh, Jesus is not in the tomb any longer. He's risen. And people didn't believe them. Then two more disciples came and, 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 and Peter and John went and ran and found out for themselves that the tomb was empty. They came back and reported it. But when Jesus walked with these two disciples on the road, he said, why are you sad? What has happened? Isn't it crazy that these two guys have heard credible reports of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in, that he had promised, that he had prophesied would happen. He told them I'd rise on the third day. They were aware of it. They had all the facts, they had all the information, but they're still sad. Because information by itself does not carry the light. Something happened as Jesus walked with them. It says, starting from the books of Moses, in other words, the very beginning of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Starting with those books and going all throughout the Old Testament, he revealed himself in the scriptures. And as he walks away, as, as they are actually get to a place where they stay and they're going to have a meal and he breaks bread, they finally see who he is. They recognize him. He's Jesus. And then he goes away from their sight and he goes their, his way and they go theirs. And they come back and as, as Jesus has left them, they're, they're thinking about what happened. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he revealed the scripture to us? Didn't our hearts burn within us? They had the scriptures. They had the reports of Jesus' resurrection. They had all of the facts. But it didn't lead to revelation until Jesus himself walked with them. And when Jesus walked with him, their eyes were opened. It wasn't just these eyes, it was these eyes. The eyes of their heart, the eyes of their spirit were open, and they saw it. It clicked. Friends, I want you to see that. If this hasn't, if all you've got is a religious framework, if all you've got is intellectual knowledge of God or knowledge of His Word, but there isn't that life in it, that life is the light. He said, seeing they don't see. I don't want you to be one of those people that sees and does not see. That goes around and says, well, I guess I understand Christianity. I understand. I know who Jesus was. But to me, it's just another religion. Or to me, it's a good way of life that leads to good things if you do it right. I want you to see that, that, that this is not just about knowing something new or, 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 or doing something good. It's about life. And that life will light up your world. And then when that life lights up your world, you're meant to light up the world around you. 
You're meant to bring the prisoners out of the dungeons. You're meant to bring the blind out of blindness. You're meant to bring those enslaved into freedom. That's what light does. Light doesn't go to the best people or the best places at the best times. Light goes to the dark places and changes it. His presence changes everything. I wonder if you would consider if the place God called you to doesn't seem so glorious, doesn't seem so light. I wonder if you'd consider that you carry the very light that can make that place glorious. That even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of some people saying, I reject that, that there are going to be people whose lives are changed because of the light that's in you. It's too small a thing for me to save one nation. I'm sending you as a light to all nations. That's the promise of Jesus. Simeon repeated it in his prophecy. A light in the presence of all the people, a light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. May God light up the world around you through you, but may he light your world up first. Receive that life so you can receive that light. May I pray with you this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are the light of the world. Jesus, you're the light of the world. But you put your light inside of us and you said to us, you are now the light of the world. Ephesians 5 says, you are light, so walk as children of light. Philippians says, you have placed us in a dark and twisted world in which we shine as lights in the dark place, shine as, shine as lights or stars in the universe, holding fast the word of life, holding forth the word of life. So God, fill us with your life, fill us with your spirit. We want conversations like you had with those two disciples where as you walked with them in the spirit, as you walked with them, the eyes of their heart were opened and they felt their heart burning within them. It's not enough for our mind to be enlightened. It's not enough just to have something explained to us. Our hearts have to be filled with light. So fill this city, fill this heart, fill this family, fill this nation, fill our world with your light. Send us as lights to the Gentiles. Send us as lights to our people. Send us as lights to the nations far beyond our reach that you would make this place glorious in your presence. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.